Welcome to Pathfinder Academy. Class is now in session. Here are your professors, Caleb and Christian. Good morning, class. You may be seated. Today's lesson is Pathfinder 106, Party Rolls. This is part of our 100 series, which is all about playing the game. Now, Party Rolls, that's the thing that when I'm playing World of Warcraft, I'm either a tank, a DPS, or a healer, right? No. No, I don't understand. Like a tank, you know, you absorb the damage, but you can't deal a lot. DPS, no. you deal a lot of damage, but you can't take a no. lot. No. And the healer, you heal your allies. That's pretty much all you do, but you can't deal or take a ton of damage. No. Like this fits in with a Pathfinder uh, mold, right? It hurts. <laughs> Am I wrong? Yes, Caleb. Um, many people go yes, in. Yes, Caleb. I hear that so often. <laughs> Am I wrong? Yes, Caleb. Let me explain. Many people go into tabletop RPGs coming from you know, nowadays in a video game RPG background. I know I did, and I had this misconception when I first started. Those ideals of tank DPS healer are constructed around fighting an AI, and it's basically an abuse of an AI. In Pathfinder and other tabletop role-playing games, the enemies aren't programmed to do anything. They are thinking creatures. They are intelligent creatures. If you have a quote-unquote tank that doesn't do any damage, there's no concept of aggro in the real world. They're just going to attack whoever's most threatening to them. And if right. the, the tank's not doing any damage, well, right. the, the big bad eel guy's going to just walk right by him and start smacking up your healer. If there's a guy that's just full plate mail. He has two tower shields, one in each hand. I'm going to go around him and kill the soft squish magic user in the back. I don't care. He's taunting me. He could say whatever he wants. He can't, I can move faster than him. Yeah, right, right, <laughs> he won't right. catch up to me. Right. And honestly, everyone has their weakness. Even if you're full of plate mail, it's like, oh yeah, well, they have a spell. All right. Hold person there. Your right. armor didn't help you against that, did it? They hit your touch AC. Oh no, <laughs> I'm dead now. So what does this leave us in tabletop RPGs? Because it's good to have some sort of idea deal to work for and right. i think there are applicable party roles in pathfinder There's, if join any game where you have all four people of the same class you'll realize there are some gaps there must be some party roles that we don't have here now christian and i spent like a whole session where we would have recorded we spent the whole time creating this list or uh, i should at least say fighting over it um so i i, I really believe in this list now i think uh We've really refined it, and I'm really confident in what we're about to present you. Now, one of the reasons this took so long is that classes in Pathfinder are incredibly versatile. Mm -hmm. It's very hard to shoehorn so someone into saying they can just do one thing or they should just do one thing because nothing in Pathfinder ends up working like that. So let's get into the roles that we've determined. So with each role, they can be fit into either category, martial or magic. So you can have any of these roles, and it can be accomplished by either type of class. Yeah, so you have martial classes who have no semblance of magic in their kits. They instead are all physical, or they all do rather mundane things. They could potentially fulfill all these roles themselves. And also magic users could potentially fill all these roles, using magic in many ways to help them achieve that role. Right. So let's talk about the first role, uh, the frontliner. Tell us about that. This is not to be confused with a tank, like we said. The tank doesn't work because enemies can just ignore them. The frontliner, if you build someone who's going to be a frontliner, the idea is that you probably have a melee capacity to you. You get up into the fray of the fight. You get within the enemy's face. You get in melee range. And from there, you are a big enough threat that the enemy 
should attack you, but you still have enough survivability to, you know, subsist in the front line. Right. Any class that is full babe, full babe, <laughs> full babe, any class that's full BAB, maybe sometimes three fourths BAB. Oh, definitely uh, three, three, three fourths can be in here. Okay. They're all in here, but not half base attack bonus classes. You know, your witch, your sorcerer, their wizard, although they can buff themselves and run to melee. Typically they don't excel in this, but every other class can be a frontliner if built for it. Now to give examples of frontliners in what classes you would represent as a frontliner, like I said, many 3 force BAB classes can do this. Suppose a druid. A druid can be a frontliner by utilizing his wild shape to become a melee combatant animal. You don't and... want the bear in the back. Exactly. <laughs> you want him giving him hugs, lots of hugs up front. And he can buff himself with his spells in order to be more powerful in melee. And then, of course, the classic fighter, which is a class that I played a lot when I first started playing Pathfinder. Uh, he's going to be up in the front. I mean, you can make literally a tower shield specialist and then give him a, you know, a long sword and have him up in the front. But remember, the important distinction is, is that you don't minimize your ability to deal damage as that tower shield specialist. Yeah, get that power attack. Get that vital strike. Or with this cool, at the time of this recording, Pathfinder uh, Unchained has come out. And it has uh, some cool comp new things for the fight. Stamina, which lets you do some really cool things. Now we have the backliner. Now this is a character with ranged options that attacks from the safety of the back of the group. They have their hood up. They're looking all tough. And they're all like, firebolt, firebolt. And they're killing everything, but they're in the back. So an idea of a backliner could be, like Caleb just said, a magic user. Say a sorcerer who sits in the back. His idea is to deal damage, sit in the back line, and use its magic to magic missile, uh, fireballs, things like that. Or the ranger in the back who's got the bow and arrow and he's just trying to pick off high priority targets. Caleb had mentioned a fighter as a frontliner before, the, uh, the tower shield specialist. Like we said, these classes are versatile. A fighter can also specialize in bows. A fighter can be a backliner, pick up a bow, pick up bow-related feats, and they can do either role fine. That's right. Let's talk about a skill monkey. What's a skill monkey? A skill monkey is a character that is less focused on the combat aspect of the role-playing game and is more focused at being good at things outside of combat. They use, in Pathfinder, typically someone with a lot of skills at their disposal and having a lot of utility with those skills. The iconic one being the rogue. The rogue has a lot of skill points. Now, they do subsist in combat. They can do things in combat, but it's not typically their favorite role to be in. That's not where they shine. Right, and this is like, if we're going to give you the standard example you think of, you think of the rogue. What does the rogue do in combat? Like, he does the sneak attack. That's like his unique thing he does. Uh, but often he's out there finding traps, uh, more traditionally, but then outside of combat, he has bonuses to all his skills so that he can do things outside of combat. For an example of a magic user that could be a skill monkey, a bard has a lot of skill points at their disposal. They get even more through versatile performance, and they have a lot of spells on their spell list that are concentrated on helping them do things outside of combat, like help with diplomacy and things like that. Now, our final role is support. Now, support is where you're trying to make your allies stronger and your enemies weaker. You got, you got a lot of buffs and debuffs. And a martial example of that would be... The, the, the martial one's kind of weird. This is a role that's mostly dominated by magic users because magic users are better right. at supporting. They have spells that buff. They but, have but spells that debuff. There are some, like the uh, Cavalier has his banner, which helps everybody. Anyone can aid another. And there are some builds that focus around aiding another. Uh, you can do stuff like concentrate on combat maneuvers as a martial character, which I would consider yes. more supporty because you can, for instance, dirty trick someone and blind them, which 
makes your allies more likely to hit them and debuffs them severely. Definitely. You can manipulate the battlefield, move player uh, enemies around where you want them to be. A classical magical support would be a cleric that is focused on buffing his allies, casting spells to make his allies stronger, and even healing them out of combat. Healing would probably be a faucet of the support role. So with the, the martial one and the combat maneuvers, that does have overlap with being a frontliner, because typically you have to do that from the front line. Uh, you would probably have a reach weapon, so you wouldn't have to be right up in someone's face to do it. But still, there is a bit of overlap. Mm -hmm. And I think the important distinction is just how you build to achieve it. For The frontliner is going to be taking feats like weapon focus and, you know, power attack and dodge and things like that. Whereas the support version of the fighter, where they're doing combat maneuvers, would be taking improved combat maneuver and, you know, improved trip, improved dirty trick, things like that. Yeah, and I think the big thing... Thing here that really tells us why the original classifications don't work is this everyone should still have a way to deal with being hit your dps has some way if he's targeted by his enemies to survive and if you get hit more often then you want to have more defensive abilities so if you, you're the cat you don't want to be caught being the quote-unquote glass cannon mm -hmm. you you saw no matter what there's going to be a scenario most likely where your character is going to be put in immediate danger it's not like a world of warcraft type game where when played optimally you will never be attacked sometimes things will happen that you cannot plan for sometimes enemies have abilities like teleporting and they can just teleport right up to you and you need to have a way with dealing with being attacked it's right. going to happen sooner or later mm-hmm now, a lot of the times, it's just good communication. Like, I don't care how many defensive abilities you get, the wizard's still kind of soft. He's kind of, uh, mm. soft. When I say soft, I just mean his AC's low. He doesn't have any DR. Uh, he doesn't have a lot of ways to mitigate damage. He low hit low, points. Low hit points. That's what I mean by soft or squishy. Um, <laughs> so, I mean, a lot of times, if, like, somebody teleports next to you, your move is to back off and let your your allies come to your rescue as it were to come over and surround that guy because if the guy's being flanked by two people he's not going to go out of his way to get beyond take two tacks of opportunity to come after the wizard that ran away right he's gonna have to, he's gonna have to attack people near him or get those consequences so a lot of times it's a lot of strategy that will uh keep you alive now some classes are designed to fit multiple roles the very first one that comes to mind is paladin he can be a support because he has his auras his auras hands yep and then he can be uh, the frontliner if he picks a mace or something that has to, you know, smite evil up in the front, right? He's got that multiple uh, role fitting that he doesn't he doesn't fit into one more than the other. But the, remember the difference being that you would probably build for one or another. You would pick feats mm -hmm. to complement either the auras and the lay on hands, or you would pick feats and items to complement you being in the front line. Right. If you pick both, you kind of might find yourself being pretty middling compared to everybody else. Which is fine sometimes. Sometimes you are in a party where that is an okay thing to be. Right. Now, I've talked to you a lot about how to control the battlefield with, with martial types of people. Give me some ways to control the battlefield with fun magic. Magic users have a plethora of ways of controlling the battlefield, and the iconic one is the wizard spell Black Tentacles. Mm -hmm. You pick, I think, like a 20-foot radius area about, tentacles come out and grab people, and then people that enter those squares will also maybe be grabbed. This is limiting the battlefield for the enemies. They don't want to be in those squares with the tentacles because they might get this serious debuff applied to them right and then you can cast noxious gas <laughs> exactly <laughs> it's a very iconic combo 
some classes are purely just better at some roles uh, than at others. You almost never find a fighter as a support, right? Right. You don't find a fighter as a skill monkey because they only get two skill points a level. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. a You can potentially build for being that. It, right. You're just naturally not going to be as good as, say, an investigator. Right. A class designed around being a skill monkey and having a ton of skill points. You'll not find a gunslinger in the front lines very often and people at the back of his gun, right? He's yeah. going to be a backliner very often. So I got to go on my little rant now to save people from the pain of potentially trying to be a healer in Pathfinder because my very first character you know I was in college and there was a gaming group and I wanted to join and I wanted to make sure I'd be accepted so I was like let me just be helpful I'm just going to be a healer I'm going to be a cleric I'm going to pick healing spells and that's going to be my shtick it does not work in Pathfinder having healing being a part of your character as something you do is fine and totally valid but your entire identity cannot be healing it simply doesn't work and here are the reasons why healing simply to put is very weak compared to dealing damage you will never be able to heal as much as enemies can put out damage just for an example a cure light wound spell is 1d8 plus you know your level plus your level up to a max of five so 1d8 plus five is the highest it scales whereas other level one spells will do 1d6 per level potentially scaling up to 10d6 a lot of other spells can go up to 10d6 nine times out of ten a healing spell of the same level will not heal as much damage as a damaging spell of the same level can do and not to mention that melee attacks will probably do a lot more damage than that I, as since I only prepared healing spells, I often ran into the problem that combat would start. It would be the first round. I'd go with my allies. It'd be my turn. Oh, wait, all I have are healing spells and I healed everyone after combat. I actually have nothing to do right now because none of my allies have been injured. When we're at our best case scenario where no one's getting hurt, I have not. I have nothing to do. What do I do? You make a good point. I'll tell you what you do. Delay. (laughs) Hold hold my turn. Wait. And the the last thing, which is a concept that I really want to push, is that healing someone has no meaningful effect on the state of the battle. You know, if you heal someone, the enemy that dealt the damage is still standing. They're just as well off as they were before, and they're probably going to do the exact same thing next turn. I agree with everything you said except the last one. I think it does have a meaningful effect in battle. I think it might not be as meaningful as other things. But still, I mean, say you're fighting against a wizard, he will run out of spells. If your allies can last longer than your enemies in that battle, eventually he's out of spells and you guys say you still have a... What? But remember, spells on average are doing much more damage than you can heal for. So you're slowly getting whittled down. You're remember you have to t- you have to get up to your allies and touch them to heal them. Right. You can't even cast them out of range mm-hmm. while well, he's doing more damage than you're healing. I just want to be careful not to invalidate healing altogether. I mean, if you can keep your if your rogue is about to do that lethal damage and you know he's about to be brought down to zero health and you heal him and the attack that comes after doesn't kill him and he gets lethal damage in, that's great. Healing is still valid. It's just not something you should only be doing. You should be contributing in other ways. I should be buffing my fighter with bull strength and then go over and cure moderate wounds on the next guy. It it can be it can be useful in a lot of corner cases. But I guess my point is that healing by design is supposed to be an ineffective combat option. There are cases where it is useful. Right. The best healer before Unchained was the Rogue. Oh. 
<laughs> he's got that like... you gotta get that dagger that converts your sneak attack damage dice into healing like <laughs> channel positive energy you just gotta shib your allies with the holy dagger was <laughs> the cleric and the cleric cannot just be a healer because he is he is he has full baby three fourths he's three fourths bab he's supposed to have a mace or something in his hand if you up front he's got high ac supposed to don't don't <laughs> put me into your idealistic cleric i'm sorry i'm sorry but the point is he's he is designed he is designed to use weapons as well as other spells that hurt right he doesn't only have healing spells matter of fact most of the spells aren't supposed to be for healing that's what he has his positive energy blast for mm-hmm. so even the guy yeah, that, that, that's designed important. to be the best healer is designed to also hit he, he's designed that way because the healing is that little side mechanic you get that little pool of channel positive energy leave it at that pick useful spells Put it this way, if you have a party that does not have a healer, you will quickly miss him. <laughs> well, that's what Wands of Cure Light wounds are right, for. Right, right. So healing is necessary. Yeah, yeah. I don't but, want to make it sound like healing is necessary, but you cannot have but a that primarily focused healing. It fits into our support role. There is no healing role. Is exactly. What, is what Christian wants to really make clear. Now, I mentioned that the best healer isn't cleric anymore. The kineticist of occult adventure. Uh, the kinetic churgeon is the archetype. Uh, has the best healing of the game to date. That's can, a kineticist archetype? Kineticist I, I haven't archetype. seen this yet. Yeah, he can do a ton of healing. Uh, it's common game you can get into, but they are now the best healer. All right, guys, roll initiative. Does it have a weak spot, <laughs> and how many feet away is it from me? Has anything in Pathfinder had a weak spot yet? And while we're on the subject, can a dragon fit in the room we're fighting in? <laughs> well, it depends. Does anyone have Crisco in their equipment list? Yeah, I picked it up. <laughs> uh, last time we were in town, I grabbed it. <laughs> oh, well, yeah, then definitely, absolutely. Well, Kev, I have a question. On my character sheet, it says you gave me half a million gold last episode. Oh, is that right? Yeah, I, I got that, too. I, I wrote that down. <laughs> if we could not be children for, like, three seconds, I would like that. So pretend that you're having fun for once. But they entertain themselves pretty darn well. I shoot it in the face. Of course you do. Without any diplomacy, it's right in the face. You shoot it. It's a Medusa, you said? Yeah. Yet another copyright infringing (laughs) non-original character. I'd like to roll a sense motive on the DM. The GM, I'm sorry, I don't want to not say DM, man. We just got not. Wow. You want to get us copyright strike? You guys have iTunes here? Obviously, you have Tolkien here, so. (laughs) Tolkien came across and his elves and his dwarves. Did you like what you just heard? A couple of guys hanging out, role-playing? That was Trailblazers, our actual play podcast. You can find it every Tuesday, right here on the Trailblazer Network. Hope to see you there. That's it. Rocks fall. Everyone dies. Everyone rolling your character. <laughs> <laughs> I have a feeling this is going to take a lot longer than 10 minutes. But now we're talking about typical parties. You have a typical party, uh, at least you know, when the first came out, no additional material. It's fighter, wizard, cleric, rogue. Fighter in the front, wizard in the back, cleric is support, rogue is the skill monkey. You could kind of replace um, the fighter with a... Um, Ranger sometimes would also have or barbarian. a typical party or a barbarian. You're right. Um, that's the typical party, and I think a lot can be determined with that. Because when you when you think about you know those party roles, if I was going to let me just tell let me, let's play this game. I'm going to tell you a class, and you tell me which class you're going to take out of there and put it in, to still maintain a party that's well rounded. Okay. All right. So fighter, wizard, cleric, rogue, magus. The magus would best, I believe, fit into the front line, replace the fighter, and the magus can use his spell combat and you know armor proficiencies to excel at the front line. Yeah. All right. I'm going to give you one. Okay. 
Inquisitor. Oh, ouch. All right, Inquisitor. That's uh, the rogue. Yes. Because he's got a lot of skills. Mm-hmm. And he's got a lot of skills, and he can do some stuff in combat. He's got it's... his judgment and stuff. All right, I got a tough one. I'm going to throw a tough one at you. Summoner. Every role. Are you kidding? <laughs> <laughs> his, he, he can replace two of them. He become, His Elon replaces the fighter, so... <laughs> Because your fighter stopped showing up on time and he wasn't bringing the necessary pizza when it was his turn. And he also replaces the wizard. And then he also replaces the rogue because he can use evolution surge to make his Edelon be a skill monkey when needed. <laughs> he made, he can replace the cleric too. He has a lot of buff spells. He's the whole party. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I have a playing with the unchained summoner and it's not overshadowing everybody. It's pretty cool. Bard. Bard? Rogue, definitely. You could also make a case for Cleric, I feel. You're right. He has a lot of support spells. You're right. He, he has his performance, all which is support. All performers are support. He There's can. only like one damage performance I can think of, like at level t- uh, level like 13. All right. Uh, softball. Uh, Gunslinger. Technically, you'd replace the wizard as a backliner because he's the range damage. But then you leave your party with no arcane caster, and you're really sad because this is Pathfinder. <laughs> and without an arcane caster, you better hope you're running a low fantasy campaign. You notice this. Fighter, wizard, cleric, rogue. Uh, wizard is your arcane caster. Cleric is your divine caster. Your fighter is your pure weapons guy. Rogue is your mix. He's got the sneak attack. So that's why it's a, you call it a typical party because it's so well-rounded. It's It's got a little bit of everything in the game, basically. Mm-hmm. You got arcane spells. You got divine spells. You have martial capability. And you have out-of-combat capability. So you have a little bit of everything. Mm-hmm. All right. So we've given you a bit. I think another typical party, you can get rid of the wizard for the sum, um, sorcerer. Obviously, yes. Arcanist. Yep. Um, Magus could technically do it. Mm-hmm. He wouldn't be the greatest, right. but he could technically do it. And remember, this typical party is just an example of those of those roles we gave you: frontliner, backliner, skill monkey, support. And I'm, I want to make it clear that we're not saying that every party needs one of these necessarily. These are the ways you can build your character. Mm-hmm. But a more well-rounded party will have better luck. So let's talk about, I mean, there's definitely times when I've played a game or I've had to host a game where it's like, we are missing something here. Like, uh, we're like oh boy, like we are constantly dying. We have no one uh, to heal us or we don't have somebody doing any magic and anything that has high AC, we don't know how to beat. So let's talk about what uh, what to do if you don't have, if you have a gap in your party role. Uh, first thing I want to say is you have a general rule for your GMs, adjust the encounters to fit the party comp. If you're a good GM, you'll be doing this if you have a party that has no magic capabilities at all you're not going to constantly send them things with the highest ac and dr in the game right you're going to put some things that uh that they can hit always be confident they can go in with tools to beat the enemy if you have one like i have a boss or something significant uh you know maybe he has a little more of the ac show um if you want to show your players hey you are missing something that they can fix for example, say that I had this with my players. They were never buying healing things. Mm-hmm. So I was like, all right. So I had like guys like would beat them up and they kind of realized, oh, we need something to heal ourselves. So then they started buying potions and stuff. So it wasn't something I used all the time. It was just to kind of show them, hey, this is where you can fix it. But if there's something they can't fix, like I just can't buy a wizard. <laughs> well, I guess you could. <laughs> yeah, hire you could. A yeah. <laughs> right. But the point is, normally you can't just buy a wizard. So I'm not going to just constantly. Wizard in a bottle. <laughs> right. <laughs> so I'm not going to send stuff at them that only wizards can really beat just to punish them for fun. Be a good GM. 
make it so that you know your players can usually beat the encounter. Now, as players, if you have a gap in your party, remember that a lot of items can fill the gaps in the party. There are things you can buy. There are ideals you can reach that will hopefully help you fill these gaps. Let's go. Let's go through the archetypes. Let's go through this roles one by one and see what you would do if you were lacking this role in your party. Okay. We're gonna present the party role, and then we're gonna say what a player would do to help fill this gap, and then what the GM should consider if they are lacking this role in their party. No frontliner. As a player, that's a bit of a tough one because you you could just, you know, hire a mook to stand the front line, hopefully. But if you don't have a frontliner, I'm feeling like you have a lot of magic users. So you would take spells that would help impede your enemy's movement toward you. Mm-hmm. Take um, some sort of terrain altering ability so enemies can't just walk up to you and hit you. Make sure you constantly buff yourself and, you know, have a respectable AC. Make sure that you have a good concentration check so you can cast spells defensively because you really don't have a lot to stop enemies from walking right up to you. As GM, make sure you have more complex maps. Don't just have, it's a hallway there at the end, and you're at the end. I think I know how this is going to end. I think I know the route they'll take to get to that end. If more complex maps, you have more ability for uh, your players to go around, take advantage of, oh, there's a cannon over here. I'm going to fire it, or I'm going to come around the side, and they have to come and try to follow me. Just more complex is more interesting. That's a general rule for everything is have uh, more interesting maps. Put more difficult terrain in your maps, manipulable difficult terrain so that there is some sort of natural impotence toward the enemies coming toward you. Mm-hmm. All right, but if we don't have a backliner in our group? As players, make sure everyone just picks up a ranged weapon. If you're the fighter, put in some money to get a composite bow. So, you know, if you fight a flying enemy, even though your main focus is hitting people with your melee weapons, you can fall back on a ranged option. Right. If the map impedes you as well, you have an option. Um, and that's just a rule of thumb, I feel, almost. As a GM, I'm going to put larger maps because I don't want guys to constantly just come and hit you in the front. I'm going to give you time before they get there let you be able to strategically pick some people off what if we don't have a support in our team as a player obviously you have no support that kind of goes with no healing the support typically handles that so make sure you buy some wands of cure light wounds some potions to heal yourself and maybe even buy scrolls and potions of buff spells so your team isn't missing out on important buffs you make sure to raise up that use magic device so that you can use those scrolls right that goes with having no magic user in general suppose you have no magic user and you just happen to have say an a half elf on your team half elves get skill focus for free so make sure use magic device as a class skill for them and you know pick skill focus use magic device and just make sure that someone could activate scrolls and wands if needed i can't think of a lot your gm can do about this specific problem make those items available yeah i guess you're right yeah a lot of gms maybe not do that so yeah it's actually very legitimate there's a lot of times you're like like i go to the store what's there and they don't list anything that's really all that helpful you know what i mean Mm -hmm. oh okay another bottle of cure light wounds well i'm level 10 can i get something else (laughs) right just one they just have one i know it takes like eight hours to make one but i feel like they should have more (laughs) right 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 completely off the side here but an interesting thing is what i like to do is i like to make um Potion of regeneration is rare. Because regeneration, unless a player's lost an arm, it's just cosmetic. Mm-hmm. And so I like to like have my players, like, they keep the scars over time of the battle. And then when they find one, it's like, I make it really expensive. So it's like, we can choose to buy this if we want. It's a lot of our money. But, like, I've, I've seen that make some uh, interesting... Uh, roleplay things. All right, what if we don't have a skill monkey? As a player, if there's no skill monkey in the group, 
just communicate with other players and make sure that throughout your whole party you guys have a good covering of the base of skills like make sure you the fighter and the barbarian aren't both dumping all of your skill points into it intimidate right you might have to step back and be like okay you handle the intimidate i'll put my points in something else because you know fighter barbarian you have a precious few skill points to work with right uh as gm uh if they don't have a rogue with trap sense maybe traps isn't the thing for your campaign <laughs> honestly i've barely used traps ever matter of fact christian you were there like the one time i've ever used traps and it was for a very specific room which like trap sense wouldn't have even helped anyway yeah so when you put in traps don't put in the stereotypical trap with a flat dc to meet for perception opens checks. up acid pit you fall you die yeah make more interesting traps that can be you know solved with mundane means that can be you know they're clearly visible in the play it's up to the players to find the mechanism that activates it and or maybe think of a clever way around it don't just make it right. did you make the perception check okay now make a disabled device check right. now, okay together, you bypass the trap together we created a room full of uh, an interesting mechanic that was trap-based. There was golems in the room that could only hear, they couldn't see. Mm-hmm. And there's different, different things around the room that would make noise. So you had to try to avoid those things or strategically take them and try to stand still and decide what to do after you activated the noise and all that. So like you didn't, we didn't have a rogue and we didn't need the trap sense to get past these things. They were clearly visible. The thing that was going to hurt you was a very clear idea and it was up to the players to find a way around it. And my players have told me that that's one of the favorite things that we did in our whole campaign. They really enjoyed that room. Um, and don't have a don't have like a, a puzzle that can only be solved with a skill check. Like <laughs> it's dangerous. I'm sorry, but the the little nymph that has the key to the door will only respond to a DC 25 diplomacy check. And if you try to take any offensive action to her, she disappears. I'm yeah. sorry. <laughs> <laughs> it's not even like she summons a dragon, we fight it, and we get the key. She just disappears. <laughs> and then a thousand tooth fairies appear. Tooth fairies are creepy, man. Um, and to mention for players, which I forgot to mention with skill monkeys, is if you um, you can fill in class skills that most people don't have with traits. Pick a trait that will give you a class skill that you don't normally have, like use magic device. I'm sure there's one that gives you disabled device or stealth, something like that. Or buy items to help you with those rare checks, like, for instance, a skeleton key to help you get by disabled device check should you need to open a door. Right. Skeleton keys are cool, by the way. Yeah. Now, what if we have an all-magic party? No one marshal. You're probably well off. <laughs> You're As players, you probably have the tools to deal with almost any situation, because that's how magic works. But there's actually something for GMs not to do, and that's don't have all your creatures have uh, spell resistance and, and magic immunity. I mean, it's okay to put them occasionally, you, mm-hmm. but you just don't want everything to now just add another element to the game, just put spell resistance and everything just because you have a lot of magic use. The players should occasionally just beat some encounters. There should be some easy encounters, I feel. Not not everything should be a mortal fight for your life. Right. Now, I think we kind of covered this a little bit earlier, but what if we have no um, no magic, all martial? Then, as I had said before, you get use magic device as a skill. Someone should have a good use magic device. And then just make sure you have access to scrolls and wands should you need it. And as I said earlier, GMs don't throw everything with DR and high AC. Um, now, what if your whole party here all has low survivability? Take a bunch of wizards with not a lot of AC. What can we do? You want to make some options so that you can take some hits. For instance, maybe 
contemplate taking the toughness feat to give yourself more HP. Make a lot of spell choices that will beef you up. Like, for instance, the false life spell is just temporary hit points that last, I think, an hour a level. So since you know that you all have low survivability, you want to, you know, give yourself those temporary hit points, get some hit points from toughness so that you know you could... S- not one empowered fireball will take out your whole party. Right. Someone's going to be standing afterwards. Magic items. There's, like, bracers that buff up your AC, different mm-hmm. things like that. What if you don't have enough skills? There are a couple feats. This is the tough one because skills per level is typically a thing determined by your class. You can give one of the characters higher int than usual for their class so that they get extra skill points per level. You can pick feats like skill focus or those feats that would give you a plus two in two different skills. Like alertness would give you plus two to perception, sense motive. And I think mostly human, have a human in your party. Humans get an extra skill point per level. And I think they have a feat they can pick that also gives them essentially a skill point per level. Mm -hmm. So that that would help you on that end. Having someone be more focused on getting skills than usual. All right. So So I think now if anyone says... You have Tank DPS Healer. You're, um, we have the software that automatically bans you from our podcast. You can't listen to it anymore. <laughs> so don't say that anymore. You have the frontliner, the backliner, the skill monkey, the support. Now, when I was doing research for the show, there was everyone had a different idea of what the party roles are in Pathfinder. So I'd be really interested to hear what you guys have to say. You can find our email address on our website, tblazer.net, and let us know. And we'd love to hear what you guys have to say. Maybe we'll revisit this one day if we get enough uh, response. We'll be glad to tell you how wrong you are. <laughs> That's right. That's right. right. Ours ours is a bit generalist. We didn't want to get too into specifics because you could make a role name for any faucet of the party. Yeah. Honestly, like every time we did something, we had to make sure we use the right word role, not class. Because each class can really have its own kind of role if you want. Right. So we're trying to make something that all the classes can fit into. Go have a little Easter egg hunt. Go back to the podcast. Listen to the number of times we say the wrong word. (laughs) (laughs) You will be very busy. Don't make this a drinking game. All right. Well, thanks, everyone, for listening. And class is dismissed. Pathfinder Academy is part of the Trailblazer Network. Visit our site for other great Pathfinder podcasts. I've been Nicholas Laborde. Thanks for listening. Percival, the um, spittoon uh, attendant. Excuse me, coming through. Full spittoon. I don't want to spill it on you. Oh, you got a full spittoon? Ugh. Here is Softly Speaking Sanskrit. We know why we roleplay. Why do you roleplay? SoftlySpeakingSanskrit.com